Welcome to episode number 49, Childhood Anxiety. Now this episode was brought forth by a question by someone who was dealing with anxiety with their own child. Now given this current state of society, the disruption in school routines, home routines, cabin fever, lack of social engagement for our children, it's probably a very timely subject. Now I myself have a few children who have dealt with in their past serious bouts of this issue of childhood anxiety. So for me, this is actually a very personal issue. I hope to convey help and hope today for those who are really dealing with a difficult and trying experience. There exists nothing more difficult than to watch your child suffer. I don't know how our Father in Heaven does it so well. Maybe it's that he's omniscient and could see the end results and we just can't. Maybe it's a learned skill that takes some time. I just really don't know. But what I do know is that when one of my children suffer, so do I. All I want is to remove the trial, pain, suffering, darkness, and whatever ails them. Our children pull at the heartstrings and move us in ways that no other thing can. Now, I am a father, obviously, and my wife and I have discussed our differences extensively about our children. It seems in our marriage I am consistently trying to prepare my children to be out of the house, to take chances, to learn, to grow, and to become their own agents in doing good. My wife is probably very similar, almost exactly the same, except for the leaving home part. Mothers, in my experience, have a greater difficulty letting go of their children. And I believe that spills over into this area of anxiety. A mother would suffer significant pain, anguish, and really give her own life to remove a child's suffering. And I believe that's probably the same true, the same is true for fathers. And I have felt that way. But I think the fathers, for the most part, are more apt to pick the child up dust off the scraped knees, put them back on the bike, and say, let's go get it. I call my wife a mother hawk. Now, I think the original analogy is probably a mother bear protecting her cubs. I wouldn't get between either. My personal opinion is that the process of pregnancy and birth is that there is not much difference between the suffering in Gethsemane and that birth of a child. It's no coincidence that Christ fasted for 40 days, and pregnancy takes 40 weeks. And it is no coincidence that a mother can and often does suffer for 40 weeks for the child. It is also no coincidence that a mother comes to the brink of death to bring life to her child. That is very similar to what the Savior did. So I don't believe that fathers share the same love as mothers do for their children. We simply have not made that kind of sacrifice. And it is that personal sacrifice that binds the mother to the child and creates such deep love. So when a child begins to suffer, the mother is quick to hold, caress, lift up, remove, and do everything she can to comfort the child in their suffering. Sure, the fathers are right there too and would like to comfort, but it simply isn't the same. I really think that the Lord understood that he needed a balance in the home so that the father might teach those skills that the mother would, may not be apt to teach because those skills would cause the child pain and also allow them to leave the, le- leave the nest. Now, at times, I have actually had to try to hold my, hold my wife back as best I could and allow for growth in the child. When she might not have taken that opportunity, my wife would at times possibly take away from the experience of a child in her effort to comfort them. Now, not because she doesn't want them to leave the house or not experience pain or learn, but because their pain is her pain. I approach the subject of childhood anxiety and mental illness today fully understanding what I am up against. This subject is complex, emotional, deeply personal, and can elicit kind of a mother bear response or mother hawk response. I'm not going to say throughout this podcast 
just let the child tough it out. Although there may be at times good reasons to do so. But because a mother's child is really a piece of her heart, and we'll not just be talking about children and mental illness, but a part of the mother's heart. So understand today, I don't approach this subject lightly and will attempt to be far more impartial to the mother's heart than a father might normally be. In any case, I am a father, so that comes with its own set of real concerns as I discuss this subject. But I am more than just a father. I'm a son of a wonderful mother who dealt with her own son having fairly serious childhood anxiety, which developed into full-blown bipolar. That was obviously me. Now, before you get ahead of yourselves and me, I'm not going to say that every child is going to go from some form of moderate to severe anxiety to a bipolar disorder or depression. Childhood anxiety is actually very common at all levels. We, In fact, we all experience anxiety to a certain point. Anxiety is simply your body's method of providing for the unknown. It really is simply a chemical response to external stimuli. Now, I know I kind of dumb it down and make it sound as if I drank too much caffeine, the kid drank too much caffeine, but this chemical running around in our bodies does all kinds of things to the mind and body to prepare it for a worst-case scenario. For most, uh, the symptoms might end up being shaking, sweatiness, a dry mouth, racing mind, and those symptoms generally get better with practice and time. That doesn't mean that every time you give a talk in church, you're not going to feel at least a little bit of it. The key for most children and most people is to learn to use it as an advantage, turning anxiety into passion and excitement, rather than a moment that stops your, stops you in your tracks. However, for a few select people the, and children, the chemistry of anxiety is going to overload the system. This is where normal anxiety and normal problems turn into an illness that's going to need more than just a normal coaching and parental help. Children are wonderful creatures, and I don't mean that word in any negative sense. They often communicate exactly what they're feeling through their actions. The difficulty is that we don't have the computer readout in their foreheads telling us what exactly is going on. Anxiety in its more moderate to severe forms can cause all kinds of behavioral issues, and it is rare that any two children exhibit exactly the same symptoms. Although there are symptoms that can be very similar in children. Now, with anxiety, there are various types of disorders, ranging from a general anxiety disorder to panic attacks to social anxiety disorders to phobias to OCD. And yes, children can even experience PTSD. And unsurprisingly, they can experience several of these disorders at once. The real question to all of it is, when do I concern myself with it as a parent more than teaching good principles and monitoring the problem? and teaching those principles of trying and failing, getting back on the bicycle. When does my child's anxiety become an issue I need to address with more professional type services? I wish there was a clear cut answer to this problem. As in, if your child exhibits these three symptoms, then you need professional help. Now, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, what you know is that with mental illness, anxiety, and really any disorder of the mind and body, the, Clear-cut answers are going to be rare. There are some things you can watch for in a child that are going to give you a clue, but even those answers may not provide that exact answer you need to know whether you to go to profession, a professional services or not. I always say that when in doubt, 
then you probably should seek out a professional. Understanding childhood disorders has actually come a long way, even in the last couple of decades. Now, when I grew up, there was rarely even a discussion about them. And now we know a lot about childhood disorders. Now, I don't think we're close to perfection, but the professionals have some very, very good resources. And actually, those resources have been placed on the internet if you look in the appropriate places. Now, again, always be mindful of the internet and its sources. I would stay away from sources, little quirky sources, where there is an instance of a child getting better all of a sudden with some kind of cooked-up remedy. I would say stick to the major professional sites. But if you are the parent, well, you are the parent, so what you seek out is going to actually be really up to you. Now, here are a few questions that might actually help you to know if you need to seek out a more professional type of help. This list is not going to be comprehensive, but probably going to give you some direction. Number one, has the child experienced some type of trauma recently or even earlier in their life? The word trauma here might give a connotation that it must be some kind of adult severe trauma. Trauma for children can be as simple as the changing of a dress, moving houses, the death of a pet, at the loss of a friend. It can also be big issues like divorce, abuse, bullying, sickness, experiencing a frightening event. Okay, frightening to a child. Seeing a traumatic event, and they don't even have to be part of it. Also understand that children do not process things like television programs and experiences like we do as adults, and they cannot sometimes see outside of themselves. So even a television show that really didn't seem to be all that bad to us could actually be affecting the child. Number two, does anxiety, the child's anxiety, cause serious communication issues? In other words, does it shut the child down? Children normally have not learned to communicate like adults, and even adults really have difficulty communicating when it comes to mental disorders, or issues of the mind and chemistry. Kids simply don't have the skills to express what they're feeling effectively to us as adults, and so you're going to see anger and rage and sometimes physical violence. At times, no communication at all. They're going to shut down. They may ask you a million questions all the time. Actually, this is their way of reducing the unknown side of it. There are also things such as wetting the bed, yelling, crying, not eating, eating too much, feeling tense and irritable all the time, constantly worrying all the time about things, or overproduction of negative thoughts. Well, the list really continues. But what you are looking for are these serious communication issues. Is you know, Number three, is this anxiety and these communication issues affect, affecting their life experience seriously and even perhaps your family experience seriously? Or, perhaps better question, does the world revolve around this child's anxiety? Have you tried several methods of solution and reassurance, but simply it's not getting any better? Now, if you said yes to one or all of these, then you probably need some additional help. Remember, though, you are not going to be able to just turn your child over to a child psychologist or counselor and wash your hands of it. The process of treatment is probably going to fall more on you as the parent than it will on the professional. So when you turn to these professionals for help, how are you preparing? Here's my list. One, make a list of things you've already done. And if you can, how successful or unsuccessful they were. Two, do your research. The internet is off, 
is actually a very powerful place to start and may give you ideas for things you haven't even tried yet. But it's also to help you to understand the problem and perhaps a solution. Now remember, anger is actually probably the worst response. Number three, if you haven't talked about it with the child in a very personal one-on-one situation where you explain what is happening to them, even in the sense of the body's reaction to this unknown element, and then do your best to listen. Now, this is probably a very good place to start. If the child is old enough, I would even do this research with them beside you and talk to them about it. Now, once you've done your research, done your best, done the best things, and the events are still not getting better, then it's time to seek out a professional counselor, a child counselor. You're going to find that there are child counselors almost everywhere. Now, how do you choose is a question. Sometimes you can ask other people or friends, but if you don't really want to do that, then actually make some appointments and go to them yourself and ask questions before you send your child to them. They are going to be really good at this, at explaining what they are going to do and how they operate. If you don't feel comfortable with them, with the first one and your answers, choose another one. However, my experience with these counselors is they did not get into the profession because of the money, but because of their passion for helping children. It would be important to find a counselor also with similar moral principles as exist in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now remember, counselors are not all created equal. Now number five, and this is kind of a multi-part question, but what are they going to experience with these counselors? First, understand counselors generally don't just jump to the medications. For children, Medication is more often a last resort type of additional support to counseling and mentoring. Second, understand that counselors have been trained in the art of brain training and can give the child, child, give the child some methods of resolution and can help the child to work through these issues. And this is often going to be their main focus. Third, don't expect the child to come out the first time and be cured. Brain training takes time in adults and often even more time in the child because they're still actually learning to use their brains. Understand the chemistry that goes on. Remember that counseling experience is going to be as much upon you as it is on the counselor. Now, in this multi-part question, fourth, ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions of the counselor. Depending upon the counselor, they may not tell you everything the child says. Sometimes this is going to be really, really frustrating to you. But the counselor needs to develop somewhat of a trusting relationship so that the child will open up to them. And if they continue to divulge things to you that you divulge to the child, often that counseling sessions will go south in a hurry. So understand that the counselor isn't trying to hide anything and won't hide anything serious from you. It's just part of the process. Fifth, and fi- fifth understand that the earlier you correct the problem, the easier it's likely going to be for the child to develop more healthy habits and to work with this problem. Ignoring the issue is probably not going to give you any results. Sixth, if the counselor does recommend medication, it is because the illness probably needs help and has its root cause more in genetics than other issues. Or perhaps the addition of medication is to help with the counseling and they work together. Now understand children can have brain chemistry problems just like adults. Now, things you can do to help the child and the counselor and yourself when you get to this point. First of all, listen. I just can't stress this enough. You're going to need to learn all you can about the illness 
and closing your mouth and opening your ears and asking good questions of the counselor and child are going to go a long way to helping your child. And then write those things down so you remember them. Two, patience. Mental concern, don't go away overnight. And improvements are going to be often so subtle you aren't even seeing them. Any progress the child makes should be rewarded in the sense that they are going to have difficulty seeing that they are improving. Just like us, a child has difficulty stepping outside of themselves and seeing themselves in the mirror. Helping them to see this, where they are improving, is going to be extremely valuable as the child can begin to understand the changes that are taking place in them. Talk about what changes you and the counselor expect to see with, with the child and talk about them often. You ever wonder why Sesame Street and Dora the Explorer repeat things regularly and why children watch the exact same show over and over? That's how they learn. Talk about the problem, not the child. The child and the problem need to be separated. The child is not his or her problem. The identity of the child must be separated from the issue. I know that's tough as a parent and our language doesn't help. The English language just simply does not help. Saying things like, just knock it off or... Why can't you just stop crying? Please stop asking me all of these questions. Probably not the best way to go about it. What should be done instead is asking the question, okay, what are you feeling? Do you think that the problem might be the anxiety? Remember to not say your anxiety. Understand that the illness is bewildering for the child, as it is for you, and it has likely come upon the child so slowly as they do not recognize it. This is the way disorders happen. So, so that are, they are not going to recognize it, and you're probably either not going to recognize it easier for some time. Now, both of you are going to need to learn about this illness, and so what I recommend is simply take the journey with the child. If you have said some things that were wrong in the past, the child um, had issues, say you're sorry that you were wrong in what you did, and ask forgiveness of the child. Some parents really see this as weakening, weakening their authority, but there is nothing stronger for the child than to understand that the parent was wrong and that their love is stronger than their pride or their authority. Also, don't include any buts in your statement of you're sorry. This means you don't say, I am really sorry for those things that I said, but what you did was, just remember, no buts. One of the most wonderful things about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that we know we have a loving Savior who will help us the child really needs to know this as much as you do. You can ask them to pray about these things, these issues, the anxiety, and then also ask them what happened when they did. They may even come to you before you ask. Learning to pray about our problems young leads to a solid testimony as they grow and leads them to the Father and the Savior and spiritual independence. They will understand that they may not always have you to turn to, but there is someone who loves them as much or more and is very willing to help them. Teach them about the power of prayer. Now, the child may be too young and may not fully understand the power of the priesthood, why we use a consecrated oil, perhaps why the prayer is so long sometimes. But I can tell you from my own experience with my own children, a blessing from a righteous priesthood holder can be a powerful experience for these children. Learn to use the priesthood and its power for good. Now, on a separate note, Make sure the child knows that they can have more than one blessing a year, or more than one blessing, even for the same problem. Now, I'm kind of down to number nine. While the primary or young women or young men leaders probably already know 
about the issue with your child, it can be very wise to help them understand what you are doing to help them and how they can help the child. This is also true of other teachers in public or private school, daycare, anywhere the child is being taught. If there are any specific actions the teachers can take, then share that with them. Include the primary presidency in your discussions. It doesn't have to be the whole presidency. I have found that teachers are more than willing to help and are very grateful for the help you are giving them. Finally, be encouraging. We all have problems, and I have never found that a negative attitude or reinforcement is a positive experience, especially in the sense of these types of problems. You can teach your child how to express their emotions properly without you getting too angry or upset or frustrated with them. Now, I know that childhood anxiety is a difficult, exhausting, and trying experience for the parent. I have a couple of my own children who have dealt with serious anxiety issues, and they have even used medication. I have a couple who have seen counselors. I have found professional service to be a very positive experience, and the medications have also been positive. I really think that the Lord wants us to use these resources we have to help our children understand their own minds and bodies and help them through their trials, both spiritually, mentally, and physically. Now, in the end, may the Lord bless you in your efforts as I feel your pain. And as always, keep up the fight, and the Lord will do his part. Until next time.